Because <laughs> we're going to start breaking down scripture and then that way you know what direction we're going. Okay, does anybody need pen and paper? Okay. All right. Let's go. We're going to talk about how God moves in the unseen. And then he is seen. Okay? Because there's something about, we forget that God is moving in the unseen. And then when he's seen, we don't know whether we can believe it. Have you noticed this? Is that really God? Are you sure that's really God? Right? And so there's something about you creating a, a foundational confidence that this is God's world. So every time that you come back and go, ah, I don't know if that's really God, you can stop and, and ask the question, does it look like God? Does it sound like God? Is this the way things roll when God's around? Because we make, we make, we've been taught this, and also you have an enemy who's very much trying to make sure you don't get this, is that <clears throat> if God is around, he's not necessarily to be trusted, Right? And so having God around doesn't necessarily bring you comfort depending on how you view God. Does that make sense? If God's going to smote you, you don't really want God around, right? But the more that you start growing in a foundation of God's confidence, and so we try to get our circumstances to line up so that we can believe that God is good. And I would like to give you instead, you begin with the premise that God is good, and the circumstances of your life will over time go, oh, he's so much better. Because if you're trying to look at, well, this didn't work out. That, oh, my parents got divorced and my aunt died of cancer. And, oh, I just, my dog just got hit. And, well, where's God in all that, right? And my question to you is, I don't know where is God in all that because he's in all that. Because people going, oh, well, this thing happened. God could have been there. And I'm saying, no, you stopped about six inches short of your breakthrough. Because walk with anybody that has a deep, vibrant life with God, and they'll tell you they met God in the darkest places. Amen? So instead of shying away from <clears throat> where is God in the hard places, we go, I know that this is, a, this is God's world and that God does all things well and that there's a brokenness and there's an enemy and the problem of pain and all this psychobabble that we get into. But when you get down to childlike faith, this is my father's world and he means to do me right. And so I hear Chris Valentin say all the time, we hear this expression, it's not over till the fat lady sings, right? We say that in a world system. And Chris Valentin said, I want to tweak that and say <clears throat> that God is good. So if it's not good yet, the story's not over yet. Because if I don't see God's goodness, it's not done yet. Amen? And so I'm, I'm like uh, 27 years with the Lord now in the hardest, darkest places of my life. In hindsight, you're like going, God, where are you? And I go, he was there, he was there, he was there. He brought me this, he gave me that, he showed me this. My life with God, the foundation I have with God now, is based on all the hardship. It's not based on all the roses. Amen? Take the roses. Love the roses. But it was going, tilling up the garden and planting and all that and watching God show himself. So I'm going to say this to you again. How God moves in the unseen and then he is seen is part of what we're going to be pushing after in this class so that you can come to know that God's always working on your good for your good in unseen places and that when he pops up you know that says in scripture and suddenly right you see that in scripture all the time and suddenly it was suddenly to us it wasn't suddenly to God 
Do you understand? God was working all the time. He goes, okay, they're ready. And suddenly an angel appeared, right? Well, God had been working on that for who, who knows how long. Do you understand? Okay. So this is a common phrase. If you've been around me at all, you know this verse, but just because I know we've got some new folks and it's always good to hear it again. Turn to Romans 4.22. I'm going to use lots of different translations, but I've got my, my, my real Bible, my real Bible Bible, not my phone. <clears throat> so this is NIV. <coughs> Romans 4.22. Pretty much love all of Romans 4, but um, it's actually not Romans 4.22. Let's just read Romans 4.22 because it's awesome. Um, Starting in verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do as he had promised. This became an anchor verse for me in my life, uh, right in the middle of devastation. Because what God did through this is there are my actions and there are his actions. And he used this verse to break it down. So depending on what your religious background is, you only think God only talks through the Bible. Okay, God doesn't talk at all, or I can't hear God. Those are common things that we run into. But God uses all things, because remember whose world is it? So God can use anything in God's world to talk to God's people, including the word, right? So just make sure you understand that. So God used this verse, and then my husband had a, a vision, a dream, a picture, which he never did at that time in his life. He didn't really have that much of an active relationship with the Lord. So when God starts giving my husband a picture, I knew it was from the Lord. Because, and suddenly, my husband, who's not even walking with God, has a picture from God. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. But God had prompted my heart to start listening to that. So this was the verse that I had been memorizing at the time. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. So God was calling me to not waver, to be strengthened, not waver in unbelief, but to be strengthened in faith, and to give glory to God in the meantime, and that over time I was going to be fully persuaded. And then here's the crux, that God had the power to do what God had promised. I didn't have the power to do what God had promised. God had the power to do what he had promised. So here's your anchor, and then now move back up to um, verse 17. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to, to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. You want to know how to have a power-packed prayer life, you start doing this. The God who gives, thing, gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And, you know, Megan Dixon is probably the one witness in this room. But when my marriage was absolutely dead multiple times, calling life from the dead and calling things that are not as though they were. I mean, like Megan was watching when my husband and I were, you know, multiple times on the brink of divorce and separated. And do you know what I mean? No way that this is going to happen. And God gave me this verse and my Spiritual father said, Jenna, don't pay attention to what you see right now. Pay attention to who God is and what he's able to do. And so I just started praying this, and I started praying. The Lord asked me one time, what kind of marriage would you like to have? I said, what difference does it make? Look at the marriage that I have. And he says, I'm telling you, I can do more than you can imagine. 
So I literally, in my journal, I would like to have a husband who does this. I would like to have a husband who does that. I would like to have a marriage where we do this. I would like to have, do you understand what I'm saying? Calling things that are not as though they were. And just started making that declaration over our marriage. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to believe where my husband and I are today. I mean, it's kind of impossible. You look at us and you never know the devastation that we'd come out of. Just because when God does something, he does things all, all things well. So, calling things that are not as though they were is a key place I want to focus on. And then I want to look at John um, 20, 22. So, you know, to give you a run and start, Jesus has told the disciples, it's better for you that I go away. Because unless I go away, you know, as long as I'm here, you get me. But when I go away, you get the Holy Spirit. And then you get the whole access. And so even though they were already doing signs and wonders at this point. Do you remember this in the Gospels? If you don't remember this, let me just remind you. Jesus has come and cast out, you know, the demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, right? So when Jesus is there and he's instructing the disciples to go, hey, you're going to do even greater things than me, and this is what I'm doing. I'm making the blind to see. I'm raising the dead. The lame are walking. You know, you're going to do even more than I am. And they're like going, okay. So he actually sends people out and goes, go out and do what I'm telling you to do. And they did. Do you all remember this in the Gospels? Mm -hmm. Pre-Holy Spirit. Okay, so they were moving in this incredible faith. I, I want you to stop and pause about that. If they didn't have the Holy Spirit, how were they doing that? You mean, it's like Jesus had blessed them with power and with authority. He said, I'm giving you power and authority to do what I'm doing. So this was God's heart all along to do this. So then he says, now it's better that I go away and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Is everything okay? Do we need to do something down there? Oh, that's so fun. Okay, good. All right, well, don't hesitate if we need to call somebody down there. <clears throat> So here we are. So then Jesus has died, done what he said he was going to do, got the keys back for us and access for us, washed us clean of sin, all sin. Your sin was all future tense at this moment in history, but it's still paid for all of it. Even the stuff that you're going to do five years from now was paid for on the cross. And so now Jesus has appeared to them. Um, and he says uh, they're overjoyed because they see him. And verse 20, 21, and Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone who sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. <clears throat> then he goes on and talks to Thomas. But I, I've just been so struck by the breath of God that Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When is another instance in Scripture where God breathed on someone? I'm lobbying this to you. Creation. Creation. He breathed on Adam. And so you're seeing all through Scripture, Old Testament, if you do one very easy word search about the breath of God in Scripture, it's going to pop up all over the place. It's just a lot of fun. And so in the Old Testament, they called the Holy Spirit, they called the Spirit, I can't say this word, Ruach, R-U-A-C-H, and that was the breath. It was considered the breath of God. And then here we see Jesus in the New Testament um, let me get this word down here. The New Testament word um, is breath. And so the, the 
in the New Testament, we see the spirit, the word for spirit being like wind or breath and how God has like been breathing through our lives from the very beginning. So, What's the word? <clears throat> Ruach. But in the oh, sorry, let me find it. I was getting this. This is, was a great. Um, oh, I was going to actually read this to you. Let's do this quote. Hold on a second, Laura. I'm going to see if I can get to that. Okay. <clears throat> I knew I was going to read you something from this paper. God has given to the earth the breath which feeds it. It is his breath that gives life to all things. And if he were to withhold his breath, everything would be annihilated. His breath vibrates in yours, in your voice. It is the breath of God you breathe and you are unaware of it. Um, that's from uh, Theophilus from Antioch. It's talking about the idea about us breathing the very breath of God. And then um, it is the same word. Let me see. Scripture. Da, da. It doesn't say for a New Testament word. I've, I've lost that there, Laura. I'll come back to that. Okay. Let me find it in the Greek. Just talking about the idea of the spirit and the breath and all these things being similar throughout the Old Testament. So I want to give you a a story and then I'm going to give you some questions for us to kind of walk through. This this breath of God is like a tangible thing for me right now. It's, It's for all of us all the time. Because Jesus says in the scripture, you see the wind blowing in the trees, but you have no idea when it's coming, where it's coming from. But do you ever question when you see the wind, when you feel the wind, that it will come again? I mean, it's like you just have come to expect that that's just part of a natural system, that the wind comes and it blows as it will, but you know that somewhere the wind is blowing somewhere all the time. And I I think my heart for you is that you would banish the unbelief, like literally banish it and kick it so far out of your kingdom that it no longer has even any permission to stay anywhere, could even step foot in your territory. Like if unbelief was a person, you would have such an alarm system set up that if unbelief tried to break in your house, every alarm would go off. And so what banishes unbelief is increased faith. You can't just go, I'm never going to unbelieve again. No, it has to be surpassed by something greater. And so your faith has to be able to address. Oh, I don't want to say that. Okay, hold on. Your faith has to be able to address every circumstance and situation that you find yourself in and living. Just let that sit for a second. Because if we begin to try to defend God then we've, we've lost our footing already because God himself doesn't need defending. We, we're the one that needs to be adjusting. Let me just try to break down what I'm, I'm just like hearing this. So let me see if I can break this down. <clears throat> There's just a lot going on in a circle of friend of mine, circles of friends of mine. There's really beautiful, great things happening and there's really hard, terrible things happening at the same time. There's babies that are being, you know, placed in wombs, there are miscarriages, there are marriages that are just barely hanging on, there's been deaths in families after long uh, illnesses with their mom, and, you know, there's, do you understand, it's like, I'm talking about lit life, it's not like bad things are happening, it's life, do you understand? 
So the question is, like this one particular friend of mine, he's, he's lost his mom. Um, he was so teetering in his faith journey with God. And we've walked with this guy for years. And he just spent so many years in just anger and like, you know, God, you, uh, God, you should be healing my mom. And why are you not, you know what I mean, like this kind of stuff. And so we've tried to ask him, this is terrible what's happening to your mom. And God hates it too, right? God ha- and yes, God has the power to heal, but we don't know what God is actually doing. Are you all tracking with what I'm saying? We don't know what God is actually healing. Because if someone doesn't receive a miraculous physical healing, we assume that God's not helping that family. Well, actually, God may be healing 15 other things through that sickness. Can you all relate to what I'm saying? This is very uncomfortable. I'm just kind of just sweating all over again here. Thank God I got a vent back here. So, <laughs> so you got this sense about him being angry, and we just kept pressing him going, Brother, go in to how God wants to be God to you in the middle of this, right? So he began to shift the ship and going, I'm seeing how God is changing my dad. Hey, God has just used this time with my mom and now my sister and I we've been in con- we've been in conflict for years now we see this beautiful thing happening between me and my sister and then um, we all prayed we all anointed her we all believed for healing and she did get healed perfectly in heaven but she didn't get healed while she was here and um, Chuck was just going I, I don't know how to hold him so that he doesn't fall off into an abyss without God does this, do you all know what I'm talking about? Am oh, yeah. I speaking English at all? Okay. Yeah. So what's happened out of that is I think that God totally set him up in this beautiful time, gave him time, gave him a, a gift really, gave him so much time that your mom is coming home. She should have died so many times before, and they kept talking about miracle this treatment, miracle this treatment, right? And so every time she went through this miracle treatment, their family got a little bit more grace together. Their family got a little bit more grace together. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. And so now, 2020, looking back, you see the mercy of God of extending that woman's life so so much healing could happen. So now that she's with the Lord, because she was the glue that held the whole family together. And so now the glue is gone, and now they've had to come in and mailed in a family, and they've had 10 years to do that, Mm -hmm. 10 years to work on that. And guess who is the one that's leading the spiritual charge? My friend. Because he's had to go in there and he's had to duke it out. And he's had to grieve with God. And are you really good to me? And how are you showing yourself to my mom? And how are you going to be there for my dad? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like duking it out. So I'm telling you all that because I don't know why I'm telling you all that. I'm telling you all that because you have got to decide. Is God good? Is God, these are the questions I have at the end. Once you write them down, we'll just keep unpacking it. Is God good? Is God good to me? Is God good for me? Is God good? Is God good to me? Is God for me? Let me listen a minute. So banishing unbelief. 
so that when I'm going through my life, as I'm going through my life, my life, when we say, when we, we sing these expressions, my life is built upon the rock. You say that. We sing that all the time. And so God has given you lots of opportunities to find out whether or not your life is actually built on the rock. Or is your life built on your presupposition? Is your life built on your finances? Is your life built on your physical ability? You know what I mean? Because I promise you, not prophesy, but I promise you that everything that you've leaned on that is lesser will be revealed as lesser sooner or later. Right? Not as a, uh, not as a curse to you, but as a kindness to you because the Lord wants you to steadfastly be built on the rock. Does this make sense? So that, what, so that you are unshakable. There's all this scripture about, I had a whole season where the Lord kept talking to me about uh, shaken, which sounds terrifying. And still you see that scripture, shaken until everything that is, cannot be shaken remains. So maybe that's a question for you. Maybe somewhere hidden in the recesses of your heart, you think you're good as long as this is okay. But what happens when that's not okay? Then what remains? Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We create idols and are, are completely unaware of our own idols. Do, if I have my health, if I, I had a friend who had four small children, oh God, please don't take my husband. Oh God, please don't take my husband. Oh God, please don't take my husband. What kind of prayer is that? Like, Fear. right. Is God going to be God to her? If something tragic happens to her husband? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm asking you to challenge anything other than the goodness of God himself, that he is able and sufficient to carry you through absolutely every situation um, and circumstance that you find yourself in. So we're just keep coming back to that foundation word. Okay, so I'm not really sure if I even know where we are now. So let's see where I'm supposed to be going. Let me just have you flip over to this scripture just because it's so fun. It's in Acts 17. Acts 17, 22. So it's important... About this, I'm not going to do a whole history on this, but it's important that Paul, uh, when he first got called into ministry, was speaking first to the Jews. And so the Jews knew this new scripture, right? They knew the Torah. They'd been versed in that. Even the uneducated had some measure. They learned the first five books of the Bible. They, 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 didn't, they had some concept. But then Paul actually started going out to the people who had nothing to do with the Jewish nation whatsoever, so the Greeks and the other people, who they had their own system of religion and everything else. So that's who he's talking to here in verse 22. Um, Paul then stood up in the meeting of, um, I can't say that, and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. And I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown I'm going to proclaim to you. And so I just feel compelled to ask you, um, uh, you know, 
If someone walked around your life, what would be your objects of worship? That's a worthy question for all of us to look at. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives man, all men, life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So as you keep coming back to one of the greatest lies that we live with from generation to generation, it never changes, verbiage is different, but it always is the same. Did God really say, is God really good? You know, is God really strong? These are the same things that come up over and over again. Does God really matter? Is God really relevant? And scripture is telling you that he even determined the country that you live in. Right? And so there's something very comforting to me about that is that not only does he give me breath, but he knows the times and places. He knows that I would never have made it in the 50s. Right? Uh, Although I love the dresses, I couldn't live in the culture, right? So it's like he's placed me exactly in the time, he's placed you exactly in the time because there's something that he's placed in you that this generation and that this culture definitely needs, desperately needs. So let me tell you a story, just for at least a testimony. I'm going to shut this door because I don't even have kids down here, this freaks me out. (laughs) I think they're doing good, but it doesn't sound like anybody's dying. Happy little squeals. Um, So, speaking about just breath, um, I was at a conference, Laura and I were at a conference, and was talking about his word was um, faith can can never be determined by your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so, we live in a feeling structure, uh, a feeling culture. And so, like, I don't really feel God right now. Well, guess what? God's not gone anywhere, regardless of how you're feeling at the moment. So faith being that foundation word that you keep coming back to, um, that you keep coming back to a sense of how do I, how do I strengthen my faith more than I strengthen my feelings? Okay, that that's a really great, that's a great call for today's culture. Okay, how do I strengthen my faith instead of strengthening my feelings? And we're going to talk about uh, faith in coming weeks, but. Um, that's just a great question for you for today. So let's do a practical. Okay, let's do a practical. You, you go out today and um, something, just life, just annoying. Somebody cuts you off. You, I don't know. I don't want to prophesy bad things already, but something just life happens this afternoon, which it's going to, right? That you're just, everybody's good and we love the Lord right now. In a couple of hours, you're going to be out of your mind. You know what I mean? Because your kids or your work or whatever. So how do, how do you strengthen your faith in that moment instead of your feelings? What's some practical things? I make sure that I take a second and not react, like immediately, and try to hold myself accountable to that. And, and whether that's Christ, that I don't yell, or whatever that is, just hold myself accountable to what, 
to God's truth in the instance and what he might be using that for instead of my reaction and how that might teach my child how to misbehave or how to um, not handle things the way that God wants us to handle them. Yep. That makes sense. That's good. Who else? So she said, take a second, right? Like, just pause for a second. Hold, I love that phrase, hold myself accountable. That's great. Okay? Sometimes when I hit, like, super hard things, like, if I hit easy things, I have to step back and go, okay, well, how are you seeing this, or how are you seeing this person that's really irritating you right now, so I can start saying what you're saying about them instead of punching them in the face, right? <clears throat> But sometimes when it's super hard and I just can't even get there, I just go to like prayer language because it settles my spirit or worship. Like I, I do something that's not even on the issue, but like try to get my heart like back up with the Lord. Right. Connect instead of correct sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Who else? Like a reset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And often the question would be like, well, well, what's making that? What's the base of the feeling, right? Right. What do I need? <clears throat> but it's always, I mean, that's always just a symptom. Right. So I, I totally agree. Um, this is something we had the gift of sitting under a really fantastic teacher, and he just, he, he himself, uh, was going through like a, he got really hooked by a beautiful woman. And he, he was like going, wait, I'm, that's not who I am. And so he had the presence of mind to ask the spirit, what do I need right now? Like his body and his emotions are reacting. And so you don't go, don't think that, don't feel that, right? You don't shame yourself because that just creates more, right? But you can just stop in the moment and go, what do I actually need right now? And so in just a matter of like split seconds with the Lord, you know, and he's trained himself to do this. He realized that he got totally spun out at work, and he was—he uh, just had a really toxic kind of thing that happened at work, and he just needed an outlet, right? And so his body, his body, is seeing a beautiful woman. He goes, "That's an outlet, right?" And he's like, "Well, no, that no, that's not." So he just was able, and just moments ago, spirit, what I need? He goes, "You just need to flush some of what happened at work." So he called the office, and he goes, I'm, I'm taking a couple hours off. I've got to get out of here. And he called his wife. He goes, I've got to get down by the water. I'm going to go fishing for a few minutes just to flush. Do you know what I mean? And I'm going, oh, I'd love to have that kind of self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so is, there's something about that. Let's, like, just start doing that. Let's start raising the bar of expectation that because we have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit knows us intimately, moment by moment, millisecond by millisecond, understands what we need and what we're also going to need, right? Not just the, the Holy Spirit's going, oh, I didn't know she was going to do that. Oh, my gosh. It's not how it's like. The Holy Spirit's like already preemptively, you plan ahead for me, preemptively working for me, knowing that I'm going to be trudging down this path. And it's like this help for us to try to do that. So another thing that somebody just gave me the other day, and uh, I love it, but I hate it. 
he was talking about um, your, I'm not, I'm going to butcher this, a disgrace on it, neurosensory systems, right, that run in your body, right, and how stress does this neuro all through your body. And so the person he was talking to is a counselor, but mostly what she is is she's a neuroscientist. That's what she actually does. And so she said, you know, Jeff, I bet you have a lot of stress. He does. And she goes, um, do you catch yourself like huffing and puffing and like, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And she said, that's your, do y'all ever do that? I catch myself, you know, this kind of stuff. And she said, when you catch yourself doing that, she said, your body is trying to correct itself because your neuro, on a neuroscientific level, your body's needing oxygen because it's trying to manage all this stress. So you're going like that. She goes, but what happens is if you had a bowl of a spoon of soup and you go, you get it all over everybody. So she said, instead of doing that, you go, like you're trying to cool off soup so that you can manage the situation. Do you see that beautiful visual? And I have practiced that for like three weeks now. And you know how I know to practice it? Because I first go, well, you know what I mean? I'm going, oh, I just got hot soup all over everybody, you know? But there's something about even you, I mean, it's like the Lord gave me that, right? And now it's in there. And so when I act in a counter way, the Spirit's going, no, you need to blow on your soup. And so I, and then it just realigns. And you know what happens when you're doing that simple practice? It gives you a chance to just connect with the Spirit again. Oh, I think I must be getting really charged right now. I'm, is there something going on? See how these little counter things? Jesus has to work in your real life or he doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? Jesus didn't go through what he went through, open the gates of heaven for us to go, and then one day I'm going to heaven, but it sucks down here right now. That's not the gospel. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not what Jesus promised. So we're trying to help you corral and manage all of the Holy Spirit that he's given you. So, so Ben Armstrong, <clears throat> this guy said this thing, and then I'm going to walk you through this, how the Lord brought me this revelation about wind. He said, you take your little boat of self-achievement and you raise your mast of self-effort and talent and gifts and you wait for the wind of God to blow and take you places that you could never go on your own. Okay, I'm going to read that again. So take your little boat of self-achievement. Raise your mast of self-effort and talent and gifts. And then wait for the wind of God to blow and take you places that you could never go on your own. And so then days later, no, it wasn't days later. It was in that, and I said to the Lord, because I'm in the middle of this crunch thing trying to happen with the Lord. And I said to the Lord, when he said that, I said, I am dead in, his, in the water. I go, I can totally see that I've raised my mask. I've done everything I know to do, and I'm just dead in the water. And then the Lord said to me, it's okay because the ocean is my love. So there's a way that he's continuing to show me foundation work. So I may be dead in the water, but I'm dead in his water, and his water is an ocean of love. Do you see what I'm saying? So in every circumstance, oh, I don't know what to do. Well, it's okay because the Holy Spirit does know what to do. It's like you creating this awareness that no matter where I get to the end of myself, it's okay because the Spirit is here and he never runs out of anything. So then, shortly later, thereafter that, um, one of the worship leaders said, I've been praying for this conference and I've only gotten one word and the word is wind. And it was hilarious. 
Um, because when she got that, she just, she raised her hand and she said, and I'm just releasing the wind of God in this moment. And it just tangibly moved through the room. I mean, it was unbelievable. But for me, it was so powerful because the Lord didn't, no, no one knew what the Lord was talking to me about, right? That Ben didn't know that. Tasha didn't know that. They hadn't even met, been together. They didn't know the conversations I was having with the Lord. And so then a week later, when everything's coming to the crux of the situation for me, I asked a couple of people to be praying for me. And then this is what um, my friend got. She said, I had a picture of you and Chuck about uh, come to mind about 10 minutes ago. You were floating in a small boat in the middle of a huge body of water. Wow. You were looking back and looking forward, and it looked like you were trying to make a choice and discern what to do and where you were going. And I felt God say, even if they do nothing, the waves are going to bring them in. So I'm just blessing you to rest in confidence that he is the boat. He is the water that holds you. He is the wave. He is the wind. He is the voice, and he is the shore. What do you do with that? Share. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's something really, and, and as I'm reading that text, I just I made sure I wrote this down so I won't forget it. I'm reading her text. I'm already crying, and I'm not kidding. I'm sitting outside, and this huge gust of wind just blows right through. And you're still like going, God, you're so good. You are so present. And so I just want to remind you again. Why don't you say this out loud? He's an ever-present God. He's an ever-present God. To me. To me. For me. Okay? So, I think I'm just going to give you some questions and we'll maybe break up in groups. Oh, let me just tell you this one piece. And then I really am going to quit. The wind hovered over the earth. The Spirit of God hovered over the earth in Genesis. And then God spoke. And then the Word became flesh. And then the flesh breathed on us. And then in Psalm 150 it says, Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this concept, but all the water that we have in the world is the same water that we've always had since creation. You ever thought about it? We've just been recycling and cleaning. And, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not like the, the galaxies brought in a hose and pumped in some more water, right? So all the water that we've ever had in the world is the water that the Lord has just somehow done what the Lord has done. And I would like to suggest to you that breath is the same. He breathed on us in creation, and we have been continuing to be breathing the breath of God ever since then. So when we say, it's your breath in my lungs, so I pour out my praise, that's not just a great song. That's a divine reality that gives us, you talk about strengthening your faith. It's not a song. It's like I can sing that song and go, it's your breath in my lungs. And so I'm going to suck in your breath of praise and I'm just going to pour it right back out to you. And something happens to me in the physical, in the spiritual, in that transaction. Because it's a great exchange, right? He's constantly giving us more of him. So how then, how do we, how do we become better aware of the Holy Spirit's presence? Okay, here's some questions. How do we become better aware of the Holy Spirit's presence? And then 
after we become aware, how do we become dependent? How do we become trusting? So you have to become first aware, and then you have to become dependent on it, and then you become trusting of it. So these are just some questions he gave me this morning, and I think they're so hard, and here you go. If I'm miserable, you get to be miserable. That's the rule. Uh, do you give God credit? Do you, do you give God credit for the good things in your life? Do you give God credit when you think of something brilliant? <laughs> do you give God credit when something amazing has happened? I know that that sounds like such a nit. We talk about being thankful, and I agree with that. But I don't know about you. The longer I walk with the Lord, the less impressed I am with myself. I used to be so impressed with myself, and now I'm really clear that without him, I got nothing. There's a reason why Scripture says, without him, you can do nothing. And so if that be true, I can't even breathe apart from his breath, then do I give him credit? Because every time I give him credit, I'm increasing my own faith. Because, you know, Hebrews 11:6, you first have to agree to believe that he exists, and then he rewards those who earnestly seek him, right? So do you give him credit? Do you ask God for help in the moment by moment? Like literally, in the moment by moment. My child is driving me crazy. I... I need this much money for this next thing. I am so angry at my husband. I, you know, here's a big one. I don't like myself right now. I'm, I'm so aware of how much we sabotage ourselves with our own self-talk, right? So I'd like to convert that into worship. God, you hear what's happening in my head right now will you remind me what you think about me because I'm not doing so good thinking about me right now so will you tell me what you think about me do you get what I'm saying instead of just going this is my lot this is the way it's always going to be for me only if you say so okay do you ask God for help and then we've already asked these questions do you believe he's good he's good to you and he's good for you I would like to suggest to you if you want to amp up your life in the goodness of God risk go for audacious asks people don't ask god for big things because they don't think he's good that he'll be good to everybody else but he won't be good to them so i'd like to invite you just like you love it when your kids come running up to you um i don't know if all of you have kids but you know kids come up and ask you for something they ask you because they believe you have it and that you're willing to give it where do you think we got that from we got that from him, from them, you know? And then the last question, do you trust yourself to hear from God? If you're willing, I know this is first class, I'd like to just round table that a little bit. Uh, do you trust yourself to hear from him? I would say probably most of us would be really nervous about answering that question. And I want to hear... What makes it difficult to trust ourselves that we hear from God? What makes it difficult? Past failures. 
what it feels like. Oh, I thought I heard, and then it blew up. And so it's easy to assume, well, I heard wrong, I did the wrong thing. So you thought you heard him and you took an action. It didn't pan out the way you wanted it to or you thought it would. Yeah. And so then you must have heard it wrong, right? And so then you don't want to go forward because you're afraid you might do that again. Right. So how many people can relate to what she just said? Yeah, I was going to say pretty much the whole class. <coughs> yeah, so who, who else has something different than that, something that you've experienced? Yeah, Liz. I love that. I love that because he doesn't, sometimes have you noticed based on your experience with the Lord, have you noticed that he says something and then he, it may be quite a long time before this thing comes to pass and it's in this place where we get crazy. Have you all noticed this? Crazy in the head. And so I want to strengthen you then in those moments. Do you know what the Lord said? Go back to what the Lord said, right? And then come back to that scripture I just gave you, Romans 4.22. Do not waver in unbelief regarding the promise of God, right? But be strengthened in your faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded. I, I just wonder, I just wonder, I mean, and, and I would tell you, like, I just have done this myself this, like, last six weeks. It's just been crazy. And so maybe, like, I'm not coaching you. I'm just trying to share a testimony that kind of answers both of them. Because I, I told the Lord, I go, I think I heard what you said. I'm trying to stand on it, but it's not looking anything like what I thought. That's where I get squirrely. I hear from the Lord, and it starts coming out, but it doesn't look anything like what I had made up that it would look like. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying? Sure. Okay. And so then I came to this thing where I had to just go to the Lord and go, if I've missed you, I've made a terrible mess. Right? And so the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and he goes, let's just talk about that mess. And so I had to just call out every single thing that if I had missed him, every single thing, what it was going to cost me with money, what it was going to cost me in reputation, what it was going to cost my family. I mean, I just go that, and he goes, now, am I still bigger than all of those messes? Right? See, that's, that's foundation, right? We're trying to get back to foundation because... The worst mess that I can make, is God good or not? Or is God only good if all these things are right? See, that's, that's not foundation. So we're living on foundation. And so I had to just go, I just lay all this at your feet, all of it, that all of this could be my, my future. And you're going to have to just breathe on that because it's a mess. It's just a total mess. So come back to then... Trust yourself to hear from him. Is that I'd like to suggest to you that your big adventures in God are born first in the little baby adventures. I see something that makes me think about the Lord. I give him credit. I say thank you. I ask the Lord for small things. And I see that come to pass. Thank you that you care about the details. I continue to keep a running list of things that I'm praying for and as they get answered I thank the Lord I mean I literally I'm not kidding I have a baby list I have 13 women that I'm praying for you do not want to be on my baby list I'm just going to tell you okay (laughs) because I I got great baby mojo okay 
So, so it's a good thing. So it's like, you know, so every time a mama gets pregnant, you know what I mean? I think I say, thank you, Lord. And I put a yes by her name and I go in the same way, God, I'm praying for all the mamas that have not got, got their babies yet. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't go, Oh God, it's not being God to them. No, I'm just waiting. I'm believing. Right. So it's like, get your prayer list that you can see God answer prayer because we, we ask God for things and then we forget. So if you forget, it doesn't build your faith and then you don't give him credit and you don't say thank you. And then you get kind of blown around. Do you see what I'm saying? God's not here. He's not for me. He is, but you're just not paying attention. Said with lots of marshmallows. Okay. But that's a word. He is being good to you. But are you paying attention? Are you keeping track of it? Are you releasing testimony? I tell you one of the greatest ways to build your faith is give testimony, testimony, testimony of the things that God has done. The dumbest things up to the greatest things. Um, one of the things about like hearing from God is okay, Lord, I just heard from you, but that is way too good to be true. Yes! You know, so... Says who? <laughs> but really? Yeah. But I mean, really? Me? But I mean, I don't know. I, I mean... You know, that's my, that can be one of my first thoughts, you know, but then, but then, okay, God, you know. How many of you do have children? How many of you do have children? Okay. All right. Just a couple. All right. So, you know, it's like the, the concept about, you know, the scripture about if, if, um, you ask your uh, father for, a what is it, bread and he gives you a stone and a snake and a fish, fish and he gives you a snake. He goes, and if you who are evil know how to do right by your kids, how much better is, you know, your good father, good mother, good spirit, good savior going to do good by you, right? There are questions that Jesus asks in the gospel that's worthy of you answering. If you who are evil are able to do good to your kids, how much more is someone who's perfect going to do good to you? And so we just got to keep chipping away at that. I think that we don't think we deserve good things. I think it's a religious spirit. I think that's a religious spirit that's been poisoning the church for years. You shouldn't ask for good things because you're being prideful. You, uh, you're not good enough to get good things. You have to work it up. If you're really, really good, then right, all this kind of stuff. Or maybe this horrible thing is good with God's name slapped on it instead of realizing that you live in a broken world. So do I really want his good? Like, you know what I'm saying? No, give me some more words. Well, like people go, well, God only does good, so if this person's horribly sick and dies, it's still good. Like, they don't acknowledge that brokenness is brokenness and God's in it with you, but it's not necessarily... A, like, it's, it's not his fault that he, evil is happening. Right, we don't, he doesn't hurt us. Like, he gets right. blamed for stuff that the enemy is doing. Agreed. And so you're like, well, if that's good, I don't know that I trust you. But if you can go, there's an enemy after you, but my God is with me, even in the heart. Right. That makes a difference. Right, I absolutely. Are my words making sense? It does. Do you all understand what she's saying? I understand because I know you. Does everybody understand what she's saying? Okay. Why, yeah. why is it easier to believe God's good? The wrong, wrong things or the hard things to us than the good things for us. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Right. But you know what my college professor said about sinners in the hands of an angry God? He went, if you actually read it, it's a sermon about love because he didn't drop the damn spider. 
And this guy was not a believer. And I was like, you know what? I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's just that saying. I, I know. The, the <laughs> can, I, can I chime in? With, um, with trusting ourselves to hear from God and kind of that, <clears throat> is God really good? Is that really true? Is it really believable? And I think that sometimes when we try to share and bear testament, you know, to that goodness, that oftentimes the people that we're trying to share with are not necessarily receptive, and they're dealing with their own unbelief. And so in the ways that they respond, we take that as, mm-hmm. as if we should be feeling that way too. Mm-hmm. Instead of recognizing that we all are struggling, we all have our own doubts, and, you know, God might be using your testament in their life to help, to help spur on more belief in theirs. I totally agree. And, and so I think that sometimes we can we can just let that take us and like, oh no, so then maybe it wasn't. And then maybe that is what kind of leads to, maybe it is more believable that bad things happen because of that. We can kind of get on the rabbit hole. I think that's great. I mean, how many of us have not been stopped because you try to share some crazy God story and people think you're an absolute freak? I mean, <laughs> hello, jazz hands, 100 times that's happened, you know? And <laughs> you're just like going, you know, being fully persuaded, right? It's like that just continuing to press. You know, you, you just have said something that kind of sparks my mind. Uh, something in my spirit. When we were in worship, um, I can't even remember what song we were doing, but something about that. Here's what happened. I can't really describe it. I can just tell you what happened is that um, I was just thanking the Lord for his blessings and his blessings through the years and how I see the movement of his hand. And, and, and so I was saying to him, thank you, and I love you, and I love you back. And I said, I want to bless you with the way that you've blessed me. And then just the Spirit said, really? And I thought about when the Lord blesses. I mean, I just I had to just stop there for a second, you know. And the Lord said, when I bless you, I bless you with fullness and peace and hope, right? His presence is all those things. And so when I say I bless him back, am I blessing him truly with this overwhelming sense, the overwhelming sense of him in the way that, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like when I bless him, is it kind of, I know that God has so much grace for weak people. I'm just calling us to faith, right? I'm calling us to be who God, I'm calling us to be who God says we are. Selah, I'm calling us to be who God says we are and not what everybody else has told us that we have to be or can't be. And that when God says he's blessing us, just like our breath, he blesses us, <sighs> bless you right back, right? Because when he blesses us, it's full of faith. It's full of power. It's full of joy and love. And so I just, I'm going to have to just sit in that. I don't know why I'm even getting that to you right now. That's so brand new for me. There's something about that exchange because I catch myself getting into religious activity or spiritual activity that's devoid of the spirit. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Like, oh, Lord, I just bless you for this. And he's, he's nowhere any, anywhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the Lord's going, no, when you bless me, you bless me with the same oomph that I bless you with. I think that's what he's trying to tell me. So I'm just going to give that back to you as a charge. He'll take any weak thing that you've got, but let's rise up. Amen? Amen? Okay, I'm going to stop talking. Let's, we've kind of got tables three, two, yeah. yeah. Were you going to say something, Lindsay? No. Gonna... Are you sure, Lindsay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like so excited. No, 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 no. 